0: Welcome to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders Podcast. I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco. If you're interested in the latest industry trends and new technologies that are reshaping the future of insurance, you're in the right place. Stick around to hear my discussions with industry leaders as we help uncover today's emerging opportunities for the future of insurance. Welcome everybody to today's The Future of Insurance Podcast series. I am really excited today to have Melissa Card from PwC join us today, and we're going to be talking about enterprise risk management, something that is near and dear to the entire industry's heart and for every insurance company, broker, and reinsurer. So welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me. So Melissa, I'd like to start off and have everybody kind of hear a little bit about you and your background. So give a little bit about a background on yourself and your role at PwC.
1: Absolutely. I have over 20 years of experience in the insurance industry. I spent about five working for an insurer when I first started my career and the last 17 or so with consulting. In PwC, I help lead our insurance risk and regulatory practice where our main focus is to assist clients with regulatory compliance and enterprise risk management questions and issues. That can be from establishing those corporate functions all the way through to helping operationalize those capabilities within their insurance businesses.
0: Well, you know, when you and I talked ahead of time, managing risks is just a normal part of running any business, but it's really at the heart of the insurance business. So if risk management is already occurring in organizations, organization, what's the point of enterprise risk management and why has it been elevated to such a high priority in businesses and for insurers to be able to help address?
1: Such a great question. I mean, enterprise risk management allows for a consistent understanding and evaluation of the different risks that insurers face. And it creates a framework within which that management can make strategic decisions and understand the implications of those decisions so that they're made with what I'd call eyes wide open, right? This is sometimes known as a risk versus return framework. It allows you to think about both the risks that we face and the potential returns we might receive on any given decision. And when it comes to risk management, I like to bucket them into two very high-level different types of risks. There's financial-related risks that you manage. So, for instance, underwriting or insurance risk, which is basically what insurers do, is about what are the risks that we're going to put on the books or what geographies or markets are we going to enter or investment risk. This is another type of financial related risk where we're making decisions in our investment portfolio. These risks can be quantitatively modeled and evaluated and decisions are made throughout the year based on previous results and those future looking models. There's another type of risk, which is what I would describe as the non-financial related risks. This is compliance risk, execution risk, sometimes known as process risk, cyber or technology risk. These are the risks faced by how we operate the business of insurance. And they're evaluated in in a much more qualitative way. And they're risks that you try to mitigate, meaning how do we limit the likelihood and impact of these risks materializing. So insurers are really good at managing those financial risks, and they've been very good at that for a long time. Regulators and rating agencies and consumers are getting much more savvy and starting to hold insurers accountable for how do they manage those non-financial risks better.
0: That kind of ties right into another topic that has become kind of a, it's the it word out there right now, ESG. It's become top of mind for many reinsurers and companies that they work with. Could you just kind of talk through how is ESG defined? What are the opportunities that can be unlocked to entrust trust, help mitigate risk, and create new value by insurers for their customers?
1: Absolutely. So ESG means environmental, social, and governance. And it's really about running a responsible and responsive business aligned to overall strategic goals. Most companies right now are in the strategic stage of defining what this means for them, trying to figure out what programs do I have that relate to ESG and develop an overall plan for what they might need. There's three main focus areas emerging for insurers though. So first is around the SEC reporting requirements. Regulations are continuing to evolve and we expect some effective dates likely by the end of 2022. But to be successful, insurers should be right now assessing how are we currently measuring greenhouse gas emissions and our exposure to climate change risk and developing a strategy for how to report on those. Second is developing a sustainability report. Insurers should consider what aspects of ESG are important to their stakeholders determine how they want a message and what metrics to communicate. And within PwC's sustainability report analysis that we did of 52 insurers, we found that human capital management, and charitable and community support are the two most common topics right now. And thirdly is considerations around net zero and sustainable investing. So net zero is fast becoming a priority area for many CEOs as more companies are setting targets to minimize those greenhouse gas emissions. So establishing a strategic framework Coming out with an exact commitment and an implementation plan will be important for execution. And then companies should also be evaluating their investment strategy and investment portfolio from a sustainability lens.
0: So let's bring it down a level and let's talk about three key risk areas that are elevated within insurance companies, particularly around their distribution and selling of products. First, kind of implied it earlier, but it's really around technology. I'm going to include cyber in here because today technology and cyber kind of go hand in hand. Why does legacy technology increase the risk profile for insurers and how should they look at technology transformation initiatives differently
1: Great question. So the threats to technology and the security of an organization's data and information are constantly evolving. So the longer a system is out there, the more likely it may be to figure out its greatest vulnerabilities. As with actually all of the risk topics, insurers should be looking to do three things. Number one, respond to discrete threats or issues as they're identified in as swift and efficient a manner as possible. To learn from those threats and events to enhance, in this case, cybersecurity capabilities. And three, establish a framework and an approach that gives comfort that both discrete issues and the potential for systemic issues are not going to go unnoticed. And right now, like major transformation initiatives are an opportunity to layer into the system the capabilities that may be executed manually right now. So there are ways to establish controls in the system to create full stops when certain activity is identified. And as insurers modernize their systems, it's a great opportunity to think about how do we place protections and checks right into the system that we do manually and let the system handle it for us.
0: Yeah, it's really been away from just trying to move away from that manual or what I call the knowledge that sits within the organization to try to automate it so that you really understand what your risk really is. So the other topic is around channels. As we both know, insurers are increasingly expanding their channels to kind of get a broader market reach. They're moving from agents and brokers, which has been their primary channel for decades, looking at direct B2C or B2B. They're looking at marketplaces, aggregators. We're now looking at embedded insurance, and there could be other types of partnerships out there. How does this add risk, and how does next-generation distribution management technology help manage this risk as compared to past methods that you kind of just described?
1: Sure. The multiple distribution channels available, I would say, must be able to consistently provide the same level of product and services. So this really means that If a customer works with a broker or an agent, they would get the same product if they answered questions, say, directly via a website. This isn't to say that you can't redirect a customer if information isn't received completely or accurately. But again, the other key element to distribution of insurance is that inappropriate sales practices are not conducted. So in our regulatory environment, this is known as unfair trade practices. And this could include not misrepresenting the benefits or terms of the policies or making any false or misleading statements. And that's whether it's in marketing materials or throughout the sales process. So, Again, embedding that next generation technology with key information that's needed or reminders to ask certain questions or obtain certain information or the ability to identify potential issues will help reduce the reliance on, say, an agent or a broker to remember everything. And technology can just be embedded with key information.
0: That ties into the third area that you kind of started to talk in about, and that's regulatory. All these expanding channels and new regulations coming out and requirements, it's just getting a lot more complex and difficult to manage, particularly within spreadsheets or sometimes within policy systems where we've had it in the past. How should insurers rethink operationally what they need to kind of re-architect their operations to support this? And then once again, where does distribution management tech come into play?
1: Sure. So since the protection of consumers is the number one focus of insurance regulators, regulatory requirements are really all about how does the insurer execute the business of insurance? So it's very difficult to manage one without the other or work, you know, manage on paper while you're executing your operations separately. And insurers that do this really well have taken an approach to understand their regulatory requirements in the context of how they operate and look for ways to embed that system functionality or manual controls or reporting so that they can quickly and efficiently identify potential violations. Another area that's starting to grow is the use of artificial intelligence. I think the big question here for insurers is really about making sure that AI doesn't create any unintended bias. So regulators will want to protect the consumer from that unintended bias and insurers are probably entering this area lightly, but I think that's going to be a a big next wave.
0: Couldn't agree with you more. So the way I kind of like to conclude this is to have you pick one word or phrase that describes the future of insurance and why uh, do you pick that word? Kind of give us a perspective on that.
1: Sure. I'm going to go with automation. (laughs) 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 I think it's already being felt by customers. So you can get direct and seamless channels for acquiring insurance. You can file a claim really quickly and efficiently. But the internal operations of insurers, I think, still have a bit of a ways to go from an automation perspective. And as internal operations modernize, I think insurers should keep an eye toward embedding those capabilities that allow for consistent and confident automation in line with regulatory requirements, protection from cyber threats, and in line with their mission, vision, and expectations of management.
0: Well, very cool. I know we're going to have a second podcast, Melissa, to kind of dive a little bit deeper into distribution channels and compliance. But this has been a great kind of perspective of everything that's happening in the industry from a risk management standpoint, a higher attention to it all the way up to the C-level and the board level for insurance companies and their customers. So thanks.
1: Great. Thank you for having me. That's
0: a wrap for this week's episode of the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast. Be sure to sign up for our email list and follow us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss out on our next episode. I'm Denise Garth, wishing you a happy podcasting.